I want you to imagine for a moment that you are back in third grade and it's time for recess. So you go out to the playground and you go to the most popular thing on the playground, the merry-go-round, right? That was, that was my favorite thing on the playground anyways. So I want you, I want you to just kind of go back, close your eyes for a minute, and imagine what it, what it was like to be on that playground, on that merry-go-round. And either you were pushing or somebody was pushing you, and kind of feel that movement uh, as it pulls you away from the center and kind of tries to throw you off, you know, and you're just hanging on for dear life, white-knuckling it, and spinning around and around and around. You remember those days? Those were, those were good days. Man, I don't see merry-go-rounds on playgrounds anymore. They must have realized that they were too dangerous or something. Yeah, I think so. Well, you know, we were on our way to Shiprock, New Mexico a couple of years ago, and um, we stopped at this, this rest area. Uh, from, this was for a mission trip, youth mission trip a couple of years ago. We stopped at this rest area. Michaela's already laughing because she remembers this. And uh, a couple of the youth found, found a merry-go-round. And so they started playing in it. Well, you know, it had rained this, at this place a couple of days uh, leading up to this. And one of our youth, Mabel, was on there. And uh, she flew off there somehow and just ended up completely covered in mud. And this was like two hours into the trip. So, I mean, she had to completely change her clothes and everything. It was, it was a mess. And uh, to this day, we give her a hard time about that. But, you know, this, the, the merry-go-round has this ability to be both a lot of fun and enjoyable, but, you know, it has a little bit of danger to it. There's the sense that it's a lot like life. When you, when you get on the merry-go-round, life has this way sometimes of being enjoyable, of being a ride, of, of being a journey, but then at times throwing you off and knocking you down and making you stumble and get messy. You just missed it, Mabel. Sorry, I was just telling your story. <laughs> well, in this text from Deuteronomy... The author reminds the people of Israel how hard it can be riding the merry-go-round of life. The author retells the stories of the people of Israel leaving the land of Egypt and leaving the house of slavery. The author reminds the people of the things that they went through to get to where they were now. They'd gone through the great and terrible wilderness, it says. I love that description. And, it, and it, it just, it gets even more vivid from there. God took you through the great and terrible wilderness to this land flowing with streams and springs and underground waters welling up in valleys of hills. This great land you went through this great and terrible wilderness, this land, this arid wasteland with poisonous snakes and scorpions. You remember that. Remember these things. Remember that there wasn't a whole lot of food either 
you had to eat manna that showed up on plants and there was just enough for each day and you couldn't keep any of it to the next day and God provided quail too and there was there was just enough food to survive and remember how God led you through that great and terrible wilderness God was present with you in it that yes this merry-go-round of life did throw you some curveballs it did make for some difficulty it did get you a little messy but God was with you in the midst of it. I was reminded by a friend this week that more often than not, what we should be doing is not necessarily giving get God thanks for things. There are plenty of things in this life that it's difficult to give God thanks for. For cancer, for the difficulties that we face, for Las Vegas, for hurricanes. It's, it's hard to give God thanks for those things. But we can know that we can give God thanks in those things. We can give God thanks in the midst of the wilderness, in the midst of the arid wasteland, in the midst of the poisonous snakes and the scorpions. Because God is with us on the merry-go-round. Actually, God's merry-go-round works in reverse. God's merry-go-round works to draw us in. See, I think the, the reason the author was making such a point to remind the people of Israel where they had come from was to remind them of their utter dependence of God, on God in those wilderness moments, in those 40 years in the desert. To remind them how connected they were to God, that God was literally leading them through it. That God was the, in the pillar of fire by night and in the pillar of cloud by day. God was literally with them, leading them along, guiding them through the wilderness. And what we're reminded is that it's often in the times of desolation that we learn more about ourselves and about God than in the good times. It's in the times of deprivation that we learn and discover more about human nature and our relationship to God than in the good times. God is with us in the midst of the wilderness. God is drawing us in to God's presence. And what the author is trying to do here, I think, is remind the Israelites that our lives revolve around God, or at least they should. Or maybe another way to look at it is to recognize that our lives actually do revolve around God and to not get thrown off by that and to recognize that God's presence is there with us in every moment and in every situation, the good times and the bad. 
See, the children of Israel needed to be reminded that God is at the center of their lives. And that God's merry-go-round draws them in. It doesn't work through centrifugal force, but through centripetal force. You remember those from middle school days, right? Those laws of motion. Centripetal force is that, that force that draws you towards the center. I think God works that way. And in fact, the Trinity kind of looks like that too. When we talk about God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God the Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer, theologians often refer to it as a kind of dance. That they're in motion together. The theological term for that is parachoresis. Para meaning meaning around, and choresis kind of like from choreography, this dance around. The Trinity is this movement, this motion, this circular motion that is a drawing in motion. God in God's self, God's very nature, is a movement that draws us into the divine presence. We're invited to step on that merry-go-round and be centered on God. And so the people of Israel, they were about to enter the promised land. And they are told, this land is good. It has wheat and barley and vines and figs and pomegranates and olives and honey just all this variety and all of this abundance that's in stark contrast from the wilderness. They have copper and iron, things that will make them strong and protect them. But the very things that are about to make their lives good are the very things that will challenge their relationship with God, will challenge their ability to stay centered on God. These things, these items that give them the ability to live and prosper are the very things that might contradict their relationship with God. And so the author is reminding them, remember where you've come from. Remember what you've come through. And remember that God was with you so that when your flocks and your herds multiply, and when your silver and gold multiplies, you will remember that it's not by your own power that you've done these things, but it is by the grace of God. I'm convinced that it is harder to rely and trust and depend on God in the good times than it is in the tough times. When the status quo is good, when things are easy, it is hard to, harder, I think, to stay connected to God. And so we have to remember. We have to be reminded of those times when God was with us. And we have to allow God to center us. To not let the world throw us off. To not let the world fling us to the outside of the merry-go-round. To allow God's merry-go-round to draw us into God's presence 
and be shaped by it. See, these good times had a greater tendency to pull the Israelites to the edge of the merry-go-round and knock them off than the wilderness did. Because in the wilderness, they literally had to depend on God. So they were called to remember. You might listen here how many times the author says, remember or don't forget. Or to recognize that everything comes from God. In verse 10, you shall eat your fill and bless the Lord your God for the good land that God has given you. Verse 11, take care that you do not forget the Lord your God. Verse 14, do not exalt yourself forgetting the Lord your God. Or verse 18, remember the Lord your God for it is God who gives you power. Remember who you are. Remember where you've come from. And remember that God is the one drawing us into the holy, divine dance. That this life is about dancing with God and being drawn into that centering presence more than it is about all of the good things. The good things are great. We don't want to discount the good things. We want to give thanks to God for those good things. But we must remember who we are and whose we are and where we've come from. So, as we enter this week of Thanksgiving, God is calling us to remember. God is calling us to remember all of the times that God has been with us. That God has been with us in the midst of the difficulty and to give thanks. To remember all the times that God has been with us in the good and to give thanks. Because giving thanks is a centering response to God's grace. Giving thanks puts us on God's merry-go-round that draws us inward. Giving thanks centers us on God. Remembering is a centering response. And walking God's path, walking God's way, is a centering response. So we are called. We are called to respond to the grace of God and join in the dance of God, to jump on the merry-go-round of grace that draws us into God. That, to me, is what Thanksgiving is all about. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.